Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary and all my patron peeps, little biddly leaps, uh, it's time for Sleep With Me, podcast that you support and puts you and uh, hundreds of thousands of other people sleep. Thanks so much. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble, getting to sleep, trouble, staying asleep? Uh, well, this is time for Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest of what I'm going to do. These attempt to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's been keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts that run through your brain or, you know, whatever their thoughts do. You're thinking stuff, uh, feeling stuff, emotions, uh, physical sensations. He, any, any of your senses, I don't know if we, we have five or six senses, I'm not sure... And uh, here's a quote. We'll, we'll get back to this. Is extra like is ESP based on another sense, or is it just you're really good at all your senses, or is that like a debatable thing? Maybe we'll talk about that for this intro. Uh, but so this, if you're new here, welcome. So this is a podcast of which you sleep. I'm going to try to create a safe place to distract you from whatever's keeping you awake. Uh, and the way I'm going to attempt to do this, I'm going to send my voice across the deep dark night. I'm going to use these lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones. They can be an acquired taste, uh, so and it is a taste you may acquire. So don't worry, give it, give it a little time if you're new here. There's no pressure. This is this is a pressure-free podcast, and let me tell you what I mean. If you're just stopping by, no pressure to listen to me. You you don't got to pay attention. There's no quizzes, no scheduled quizzes, no pop quizzes. And you know, you know, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, nonsense in this podcast. So how could I quiz you? It wouldn't be fair. And you say, well, if we had an open book, you, my handwriting's illegible. So if we had an open book test, you'd say, I can't read your writing, Scoot. So see, I can't give you a quiz. And plus, it's to help you fall asleep. So no pressure to listen. But this is the other thing that that's quite a little bit out of place. This is a podcast that puts you sleep. You're under no pressure to fall asleep. This isn't a sleep cure, not a sleep solution. I, I don't believe it's a sleep band-aid either. What it is is a sleep offering. It's something out there you can listen to uh, to take your mind off of stuff while you fall asleep. Uh, and and if, if you've been, if, you, if you're like me or a lot of listeners, uh, you've tried a lot of stuff and. Maybe you've had varying levels of success with those things. Well, this is like a bedtime story. Like if you called your friend on the phone or you had your friend over or your roommates or your partner or your be- bo how do you say that? Beau, B-A-E-U, you know, or your bae, is, is a bay is a bay a formal relationship? I know that's like a few years old, but or is that like a bow? Are a bow and a bay interchangeable? Or is that like a more serious thing? You say, well, you're my bae. And they say, no, 2012 calling. But it just like a, but, but whatever it is, like I'm just your, your boar friend. Actually, I have your ba- boar bay. <laughs> that never came up before, but I think that's what I am, your boar bay. If I'm using bay correctly, it could be your boar bow. It could be your boar bow. Uh, your bow call, gentleman caller. That's too many. That's too much. Uh, but yeah, like, and what I mean by that is I'm here to talk, uh, to, to try to barely amuse you, 
barely engage you, just enough to take your mind off, like I said, whatever's keeping you up or uh, provide you with some company, some companionship, uh, so you can take a few breaths, you can sink deeper into your bed. You can say, hey, this kind of silly thing is here to here, here for me. And maybe to d- deflate some of the seriousness around bedtime. You know, that's what the goofy part of the podcast is, o- other than me just being myself. Uh, so no pressure to fall asleep. I'll be here for about an hour. Structure of the show, just in case you're new or you've been around. Five, the first five or six minutes of the show are, are the business section. Obviously, we got to have that up front. If you're new, you, you could kind of, you probably were like, what is this? Uh, but if you know, if you listen regularly, it's pretty critical you listen to that part either tomorrow or you pay attention. That's what keeps the show going and keeps our archives free. But if you're new, don't worry about it. Uh, then we have an intro, which we're into now. And it, those intros tend to be like uh, like around 12 to 14 to 18. Like, they're, they're, it's a show within a show. There's some discussion on the Facebook group when I'm recording this around the intros. And I, I mean, I think it's just a mood setter. It, it, like, uh, I think a big part of the podcast is when I say a safe place, I mean it. I'm trying to craft out a, it's not an audio environment, but, but to create a sense of safe place. And I think this intro, you know, some people start listening to it while they're brushing their teeth, while they're winding down. Yeah, uh, but the whole idea is to kind of set, set, to say, okay, like not set your expectations because you, you, there's not much to expect here. Expect you don't need to listen, and expect you're under no pressure to fall asleep, and expect like halfway through the intro, right around six minutes, I'm going to go off because remember I was talking about ESP in the senses. I mean, this podcast is full of senselessness, but what, so the five senses. Give me a second because to touch. Sight, sound, taste, it feels the same. I only have four, touch, sight, sound, smell, and taste. Are those the five senses? So then you have uh, ESP, they call it, extrasensory perception. Does that mean you have an extra sense, which is, or is it just a, like you got extra, like you got a, like a, you're like really extra sensory, or it's, I guess it's perception beyond the senses. Oh boy, whoever came up with that must have anticipated people like me trying to figure out what it meant. So it means perception beyond the senses. Man, I get, and I, and you know, I did take four semesters of Latin, isorum is, you know, that's what my professor would say. The poor, poor professor, poor Latin professors. Uh, so I guess I, I thought that would take up the rest of the intro, trying to figure out if ESP was referring to having an extra sense, but I guess it's extrasensory perception. But what's perceiving then? I don't want to get into any existential questions, but how do we perceive, if if it's not a sense, what's what's the, you know, you know so I don't want to uh, call uh, Garbanzo on this one, but uh, also anybody with ESP probably knows that this may be the first time that word was used in this context, but that's fitting. I don't want to call Garbanzo on it, but you could start using that tomorrow if you want or yesterday if you have ESP. But if you don't have a sense, how how do we perceive things, uh, right? Like, uh, hmm, I think I'm on to something. So... You're like, uh, cause it would be, so there's probably, and there is a sixth sense. They say that I've heard that term used in movies, uh, in other discussions, the sixth sense. So then it would be 
perception, per, like extrasensory, extrasense, sensory, ESSP. It should be extra, an extrasense, A-E-S-E-S-P. But then you probably wouldn't need the second. An extrasense, uh, perceiving via an extrasense, PV, perceiving via... Do we need an A for the AN, or can we just skip that? PV, PVS, uh, per, perce, perception via, oh, e, EVS, P, PV, EVS, or something. I wonder, the like, uh, instead of the X-Files, it would be the question mark files, the sco- scooter, the question mark files. Perception via an extra sense is, I mean, I don't, like, I, again, I'm not a... I'm not like uh, I'm into alliteration, but uh, is it, do I have a point or am I off point here? And what, here's a question that raised some controversy. You think our lymph systems involved in this sixth sense? Uh, you know, if you listen to podcasts for a long time, you know I, I love any systems in the body that start with limbic system, your lymph system. Uh, but like, is that still a thing that we don't know what lymph? They've heard that people tell me that we know what lymph does and stuff. But uh, you know, I still don't. I'm still not positive on that. I still have to read the data on that. Uh, but that could be involved in in, in my imagination at least. Uh, I think also the mitochondria probably have to do with the the sixth and seventh senses. And I'll tell you what sense I'm always looking forward to, to is the sense of delight. That is what I'm striving for. And I know I realize I took a bend and now I'm trying to drive the car back onto the main road. But, uh, so like, uh, yeah, that's, uh, like, uh, like, what was I talking about? Well, yeah, well, I guess that's what I strive with the show in, in strive means, uh, shooting for the stars, like, like a, a pinnacle I don't always reach. But, but my dream would be, at least occasionally, to make bedtime feel delightful for you. Whether you listen regularly or you're a new listener or you're like, yeah, I already loathe this guy. This guy. And I say, well, okay, I, I can respect that. Uh, believe me, my hobby is self-loathing at the top of the list, so d- don't worry about it. But, 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 but I really work hard. And shoot for that is a sense of delight. And when I like, uh, and the reason why is, I think these podcasts we go back to, whether they're whoever they make them, whether it's a Feral podcast or Radiotopia podcast, a Night Vale podcast, independent podcast, a Max Fun, Earwolf, whatever network you prefer, your public radio or TV or movies. Uh, and I think of a show that, that doesn't does get made anymore, mystery show. And I'll point it out because it's not getting made anymore. That means it makes it easier on me. It, 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 there's just a level of delight that was brought to me by stuff that I like sometimes. But I think it's like one of those things you can't quite put into words. Or Doughboys. It's a podcast. When I listen to it, I find, I, 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 maybe not every time, but most of the time I feel delighted. So, uh, I don't think I get there too often, but that's where I'm trying to go because then you can say, Whew, oh, maybe you don't know. If you, boy, I guess with this bag, I, you said, Geez, I don't know if I felt delight. Uh, and I'd say, well, a groove is in the heart. If you don't mind me punning up some music, <laughs> you say, but, uh, oh boy, I'm totally, and I said, oh boy, a bunch in here. 
but I think you know what I mean. And I think that, like, uh, I don't know. That's what I want for you because I know how hard it is to fall asleep sometimes. I know it's like tossing and turning. And I kind of want to shoot for the opposite of that because uh, you deserve it. You, you, you know, being a human being is not easy work. And it's, you know, fraught with stuff. I think that's what, I don't know if Immanuel Kant said that or who, but they said being a human being is fraught with stuff. Maybe they said fraught. I think that sounds more like Walt Whitman, frothy with stuff. Oh, no, that's what he, that's like the one time I was with a Walt Whitman character actor, and they, they said, uh, I said, well, let me buy you a coffee. And they said, they said, I'm not ordering a coffee frothy with stuff. And the flex of humanity, I said, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, so anyway, enough philosophy. Uh, as they say, everybody gets, if you're new here, this doesn't work for everybody. I mean, holy macaroni. I've got, you know, garbanzo, you know, I'm pulling a garbanzo here. I'm gonzo for a garbanzo, and that doesn't even mean anything. But what means a lot to me is, is, is trying to help out who I can. And here's what I say every intro, because I mean it, except for the times I forget to say it, but I still mean it even when I forget it. I'm glad you're here. I really work hard. I yearn. I strive. And I hope I can help you fall asleep. Thank you so much for coming by. All right, everybody. We're back. Uh, season 7, Episode 2, Stormborn. And boy, do I feel like I, I literally, this is how much I love Game of Thrones and I love all you Game of Thrones listeners, Game of Thrones listeners. I literally uh, got off the plane an hour ago and I'm here recording the show, watched it on my phone on the plane a few times. And uh, this is the first episode I consumed totally on a phone, uh, which is not ideal just to, due to be, being on the road. Uh, but now I have it playing on an iPad, openings going, Winterfell's growing. Uh, but we're talking about Stormborn, and oh boy, uh, does it like uh, does it make sense at the beginning? Like, uh, and I think at the end, if I remember, uh, but this was quite an episode. It uh, let's see, what, oh, rain, it starts with rain, rain on Dragonstone, and it's not exact. There's a lot of thunder. It's a pretty serious storm. Not well, no, no, no. I guess the weather, the weather people, or what do they call them now? Meteorologists would say it's a serious storm, but more of just like a, not exactly. You wouldn't want to be outside, uh, but you know, not exactly uh, like atmospheric for 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 being on a dragon, like a dragon stone, dragon island. Oh, to live on Dragon Island, I'll tell you that. But it's called Dragonstone, actually, Scoots. Uh, Dragon Island, something else. Uh, there's some ominous waves washing up. Uh, I had to close the windows on the airplane. I mean, they're the blinds to get a good look at Dragonstone. Uh, there's waves washing. There's lightning. There's foreshadowing with the shadows, and it's hard to see. And then much like one of my favorite rides in the previously in Disneyland, but now it's gone and they still have it at Disney World, I think. The Tower of uh, of uh, the Terrible Twos, I think they call it, uh, it has a light on up. One lone light is on. And then Tyrion says, in a night like this, you, you know, uh, Khaleesi really could, uh, t- you know, like uh, really do, like it has a lot of work to do. 
And we have Varys, Tyrion, the Khaleesi. They're talking about lions. They're working out the plans on the map, but they're really working out interpersonal things. And I think this was like a cathartic moment for the Khaleesi to kind of like, uh, like whatever they say. Sometimes they say you're, when you're asleep and you're dreaming, your brain's like flushing stuff out. I think she was really flushing some stuff out with Varys. Uh, and they're talking about, well, geez, what's the strategy? Shouldn't you just do like a go, go, go? And uh, Tyrion's like, no, let's let's not make a mess of things. You don't want to be queen of the ashes. And I guess like they don't think Khaleesi's going to be care the Kerrigan. Like if this is Starcraft, I don't know who Khaleesi's analog is. Also, Varys is rocking what I, appears to me to be an upgraded robe. It's got real. It's really nice. Uh, it's got like a green, it's really nicely, I don't know if it's embroidered or, like I could use that robe to ha- like hang around in. It's got these earthen tones and maybe even some iridescence. And Khaleesi comes up on him and she says, you know, who who were you loyal to originally? Like, and then, you know, they talk around it, uh, you know, Robert to Circe, her father, and she says, all your little spies, all your little birds, uh, like, she goes, would you want my brother to be king? Like, uh, did you think he would be a good king? And Varys is like, uh, he's got a poker face, just like, uh, like, uh, like they sang at the Super Bowl. And so does Khaleesi. I mean, Khaleesi's really probing him to be like, uh, who are you and what do you want? And... Like, where, like, uh, I don't know. This is a really good scene. And she walks towards him. She's really good at making extensive eye contact. I'm noticing on this viewing. And she goes, are you worried? Are you, consp- sp- are you conspiratorial? Or, uh, you know, are you, do you fancy yourself a puppet master? And he goes, no, I'm the kind of servant the realm needs. Uh, I, I'm not blindly loyal. And I got an opinion and a point of view. And then he makes his pitch kind of to Masande and uh, Grey Worm. He goes, yeah, I'm not from, you know, I'm like, uh, I've been around. I was poor and uh, I was, you know, uh, like, uh, like worked against, you know, wasn't a free person. He goes, I'm on the side of the people, not on the side of the despots. And, uh. He goes, if you want blind allegiance, you know, that's, uh, you can, you know, kiss me goodbye. He goes, if you want a strong opinion from a white, you know, someone that's crafty, he goes, I think you're going to be a great queen. I I chose to work with you, and I think you're the woman of the people, or the dragon queen of the people, or whatever title you choose. And the whole time when Khaleesi's, a couple times Tyrion tries to make peace because he didn't know where Khaleesi was going. So he tries to offer his backup a couple times and uh, Khaleesi shut him down. That was earlier. Uh, but then Khaleesi says, so you're going to be my truth teller for the people's side. like Kind of like the Onion Knight, but different. Uh, but hopefully, and he goes, I swear it. And she goes, okay, so no conspiratorial crafting. Just say it to my face, and otherwise you're toast. He says, I would expect nothing less, uh, my dear Khaleesi. Then the doorbell rings. The red priestess is in the house, the, his house, so the, the stone, I guess you'd say. And so they go out to the audience chamber throne room. 
And they exchanged some pleasantries. Like, I was wondering if she'd say, hey, show me what you really look like. Uh, but they speak in Valerian. And, uh, like, Varys says, oh, by the way, she was loyal to somebody else. And she goes, oh, this is an auspicious day because we're forgiving people that other served other kings. You booked a great day to come, uh, Varys. Uh, and I love that. She, I put, she roasts Varys. Uh, one more time. And then she says, what exactly does your Lord expect from me? And then it like ends up, uh, they're talking about this prophecy. Khaleesi's g- gender and non-gendered nouns are off. So Masande says that's a non-gendered noun when she says it, like when she's talking about who's going to rule. It could be a prince or a princess or a king or a king queen. Uh, like it's non-gendered. And Khaleesi goes, that's great, because uh, I thought, like, I just made the assumption of freaking patriarchies up in my brain. We got a deep patriarchy, this whole shindig. And I really liked it, like, uh, how Masande did it. Like, uh, Khaleesi's like, she said, I like that. Uh, and let's see, property are dragon things. What does that mean? Uh, what does that mean? Properly our dragon thing. Oh, prophecies are dangerous things. Because she says, what's going to happen? The Red Bruce says, I don't really know. But then she goes, somebody else is going to play their part. The king in the north, Jon Snow. And Tyrion goes, what? Jon Snow? Khaleesi goes, you know him? He goes, oh, yeah, we hung. You know, we hung on on the wall. Uh, he goes, he's he's a pretty chill dude, I think. And uh, Khaleesi says he he brought all the wild or the red priestess says he brought in all the wildlings, uh, gave him protection, united the houses. Uh, and Khaleesi says you sounds he sounds decent. Uh, she goes summon John Snow, let him talk to you, and tell him what he's seen. And uh, then Tyrion goes, I can't speak for prophecies, but uh, I like John Snow. Uh, he's cool. He says, I trust him, and I'm an excellent judge of character. And he says he might be a valuable ally. Plus, he doesn't like Lannisters. But then Khaleesi says, yeah, he can come and bend the knee, which gets a pretty long reaction shot from Tyrion because they think Tyrion knows how Jon Snow, Jon Snow doesn't bend knees. Uh, watching this reaction again because uh, Khaleesi's doing her stone-cold uh, Khaleesi thing. Yeah, it's like a, a three-second reaction. Then we have uh, archery practice with the kids at uh, Winterfell. And Sansa, the Onion Knight, and John are going over Tyrion's note. Uh, consensus is, is he's not like the other Lannisters. But uh, Onion Knight says he sounds like a charmer. By the way, thank you for keeping the Onion Knight in this show. Holy cow. What would I have done? Like, what would I, where would things be without, the, like, uh, one of my favorite characters, uh, if not my favorite character. And now, not only has he gone from his truth teller to now he's a right-handed person, uh, fingers or not, he says he, he he's now making, like, inferences. He says, you know what breathes fire? Dragons, dude. And rights don't, whites don't like dragons. So uh, he goes, uh, maybe we should go talk to her, but not, I'm with your sister, though. You shouldn't go. Maybe somebody should go, though. And, man, so, like, uh, we, I don't know what I'd do uh, without the Onion Knight. Then we go, next thing we know, we're in Cersei's uh, audience chamber. 
And she's there's a bunch of scowlers in there. You gotta you gotta check this out. Fifteen oh six. There's like a bunch of people scowling, and then there's this guy hand wringing and worrying. Uh, Fifteen oh six. Just pause it. He's wringing his hands. Uh, he's behind uh, the Tarly Tarly crew. Looks a little bit like an older Hank Azaria, and. Uh, uh, at first, I didn't know it was the Tarly Screw, so I said, who is that dude with a great voice? Uh, and Cersei goes, uh, total xenophobe, if, I, if my assumption of xenophobe is correct. Uh, she's, she's, gets, she gets, she's doing a new dance. It's got, I don't know if it's a new dance, but it's a new uh, new twist on a new dance. Xenophobe, she says, let's get xenophobic, just like... Uh, Olivia Newton-John saying, let's get physical. Seriously sings that version of it. And Jamie just says, did you say xenophobe? Because look at me, I'm handsome as hell. Yeah, then Sam, Sam's dad steps up. He goes, how the heck would we stop a dragon, uh, by the way, Seriously. Uh, and then another one of my favorite, you know, villainous characters, uh, Old uh, Mad Maester, whatever, Clyburn, I think. Uh, he goes, we are currently working on a solution, my lord. I, lo- I love that guy. I mean, I don't love what he does. I bet you Sam could use him to uh, help Sir Jorah, though. Then the session ends, and Jamie rolls up on Lord Tarly. There's a little joke with Tarly's kid, because Tar- Lord Tarly goes, you know my kid, of course, Lord Jamie. And Jamie goes, uh-huh. What are you, Dickin, Rickin? He goes, yeah, Dickin. Like, I believe you know my son. Jamie's like, no, I don't. Uh, but, uh, you know, my kind of. And then Jamie tries to put butter on uh, Samwell's dad, Mr. Lord Tarley. And he he's buttering him up. He goes, it's a long ride back to uh, where I'm going, Lord Jamie. Uh, what do you want? And Jamie goes, well, I'd like, I think you're the man to help me. Like, you're totally the general. You're great at swords. Uh, you're, t- you know, you like, you could be, you could be ranking general in the wars to come. Just swear allegiance to me and help Cersei against everybody, even your boss, uh, Miss Tyrell. And Mr. Charlie goes, I'm a Tarly dude. That mean means something. We're not, uh, Oathbreakers or schemers. He totally burns Jamie. We don't really do, do we put people in the back or do red wedding stuff. He goes, I, my oath means something. Uh, and Jamie goes, well, you got a queen here, bro. Uh, he goes, I tell you what, not only are we xenophobic, he goes, we got some ageism here. We're ready to, he goes, can you combine xenophobia and, and ageism into one political movement? And I say, when did they write this episode? Well, they, you know, there's a different twist on it. Because he says, you know, that lady Olana's like, uh, he goes, come on. I know you don't like my sister, but you'll love her. You'll love her. You know, you'll learn to love her. He goes, Rick, he goes, maybe, maybe she, you know, maybe like, uh, like Rick and, uh, you know, what do you think? Because uh, he goes, really, I think you're the best. Charlie's all the way. And let me see. He says one thing. Uh, uh, let me see what, uh, get some in Jamie's face. Oh, he goes, there's no better man than Randall Tarley. But then the shack goes, to, and I, cause I said, I say Samuel Tarley. 
And they show Sam, well, it's Harley grimacing, and it's a Sir Joris checkup, and they say, this is tonsillitis, buddy. And he goes, how long do I got? Uh, and they say, well, 10 to 20 years. But he goes, well, for sore throat, uh, six months probably. And Sammy goes, well, what about, uh, like, uh, uh, Stannis' daughter, uh, you know, can, can we, like, uh, get it? He goes, I think he said pardon. Somebody says that because I wrote something that looks like pardon down. And the headmaster goes, does this look like a baby to you? And he goes, you got one day, Jorah, and then you're out of here. And Sam goes, uh, should we get, like, uh, word to your family, sir? And they even, like, like reveal that by, like, talking about, like, they show a sword and stuff. So that's how they figured out he's an anointed knight. Uh, there's even a G- gif or jiff face, 2036 or something. Sam gets a good, good jiff face uh, when he says, oh, Sir Jorah, Mormont. And Sam goes, what? what? That's the gif face. Uh, and he goes, no need. My family doesn't like me. And then they say, come on, Samwell. Then we're under the Red Keep, uh, and uh, what's his name? Clyburn's like, uh, you been down here? Uh, Circe, he's down there with Circe, Circe. And she goes, I can't say that I have. Uh, no, can't say that I can't have been or something. Have you been down here, Your Grace, and watch it? No, can't say that I have. Uh, I liked how she said it. Uh, Circe's still mad at Robert. I didn't realize... Uh, how deep her displeasure with him. I mean, I guess she's mad at everybody, but uh, then they like they're looking at the old dragons, uh, the relics, and then the, when it, uh, Clyburn shows Valerian the Red, the organ music starts, and Clyburn goes, powerful but not invincible. And then he does a demo for Circe of like this new like uh, crossbow thing, anti dragon device they got, and uh, it seems to work. He had a total, he actually, he's a, very, he's a salesman, man. He acted like he was totally down there. And he says, we've been working on this thing. He pulls the cover off, you know, like it had fake dust on it and everything. And it's already aimed, totally set up. Uh, the only thing that's missing from this scene is the blue-faced man. I don't know where the heck he, Clyburn and him, I guess because Clyburn's his papa, maybe. Yeah, I guess he's like a, Allowed to be alone with Circe. Uh, then we see the Bay of Ships and uh, we hear, uh, oh, I forget uh, Theon's the sister's name. Uh, it won't come to me, I don't think. Uh, but she says, if you want the Iron Throne, you got to take it. Uh, and then, like, uh, the Saint, like, Elias Sands, like, dude, it's called War for a Reason. And Khaleesi was looking at it on a bay of ships. I don't know if I said that. They're in her planning room. And they're like, what are you going to scurry into hiding? Uh, we, we got dragons. We got, uh, like, and Tyrion's like, well, we don't want anybody to get uh, stomach aches or anything. And Tyrion goes, we do things, like, on the up and up. And then Elias Sands says, what are you saying? Like, you're talking about Masella? Weak, uh. She goes, I can't believe my uh, husband, brother, or whatever, who's defending you. And Tyrion, or Khaleesi says, treat, please treat Tyrion with respect. Uh, and then she quotes him. She goes, I'm not here to be queen of the ashes, yo. 
And Olana, we can. She's got a BS meter. She goes, you know, who was loved uh, as my granddaughter. Common people loved her. Rich people loved her. Now she's ashes. Uh, and Olana says, "This is oh, this was a key scene. Let me just uh, rewind it by ten seconds." This quote is to me the whole commoners, nobles, they're all just children, really. They won't obey you, like, unless, you know, blankety, blankety. And that seems to be, like, commoners and, like, royals or children really is, like, one of the key things about Game of Thrones. Uh, and then Khaleesi says, this is my gig, uh, so listen up. Uh, we're not going to just roll into King's Landing like everybody expects. She goes, we're going to see, you know, we're going to do some siege action. First, Olana's like, Olana's like, what are you? she goes, you know, uh, what are you going to ask politely? And Cersei goes, no, 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 uh, you know, you you two are going to go and, like, run it so there's no, ze- so we can get a hold of the xenophobia, you know, hey, like, uh, you, you'll you do it because you're Westerosi, so then they can't, Cersei can't use that political wedge. You're going to go pick up the uh, Dornish in your, the Iron Fleet and then bring them up there. Tyrells will be there. Mace Tyrell will be bumbling around probably on a mule, except he was probably at that wedding. And uh, she goes, Lana's like, what are you going to be doing? And then they blow their mind. Uh, they say, well, how about we hit up that casterly rack with the uh, unsullied and uh, Grey Worm and the crew, we roll right up on that, and everyone goes silent. Uh, and Ellie Sand even grins a little, I think, yeah. And their minds are blown. They, and Sikulisi says, so what's up, you in or are you out? And everybody says, oh, we're in now. Also, Theon was there in the background, all quiet. Uh, let's see, if that's enough. I'm not here, you know, to make friends. Uh and Khaleesi says, okay, like, uh, that's it, hit the road. Lady Alana, can I speak to you alone? And they have a great conversation. Khaleesi says, listen, I know you don't like me, but and I know you're out for Cersei. Don't worry, I got it covered. I'll take care of it. And we're going to do the peace thing, the peace train. And Alana says, peace, uh, your father, their father, their father, their father. They all promise peace. Uh, there's no peace. It never lasts. She goes, do you want to take advice from an old woman? Uh, I've been listening to a lot of men running their yaps. you clever men like your hand. They know everything. Total mansplainers. And you know why I'm kicking ass still? Uh, she goes, because they're a bunch of sheep. That's why they mansplain, because they got, they say, well, other people mansplain. You gotta, I gotta know some. I gotta be an expert on something. Vocal fry, you know. I just post in forums about a, you know, great podcasting, brilliant journalists with vocal fry. And she says, "Are you tired of that trope too? Like, uh, who cares what you think about people's voices? Like, just listen. Like, like she says all that. She says, why do you, like? So that was like a little bit of a tangent. She went on." And she goes, hey, are you a sheep, Khaleesi? Because you don't look like a sheep to me. You know, you look like a dragon. So be a dragon. And Khaleesi goes, oh, yeah, you're right. You're a total badass. I ain't. We're both badasses. And she goes, maybe we don't even need that word anymore. And I said, I said well, uh, 
I can I guarantee I'll be accidentally mansplaining something like uh but and then they like uh then I woke up uh but that was that part was a dream. But I loved that scene. She goes, You are you a sheep? Uh, I don't think so. Uh you're a dragon, be a dragon. she goes, No. You're a dragon. It didn't get chills just knowing those two are on the same team. Yeah, and then there's this uh, like sh- like a uh, like a uh, long uh, sharp sword getting sharpened, and there's a knock at the door. And uh, let me check what he said. Like it's Grey Worm sharpening the thing. I think he said McGee or something, which means come on in. And this is a very uh, touching scene uh, between. And I guess like uh, can't help having a crush on someone that's. Uh, Part of like, uh, but this is like a very like a uh, like like uh, can't. I guess I was jealous, but I really I was just appreciating how well done the scene was. Majai, M A J I. I think that means come in. So he's in his room, and Masande comes in, and she goes, "Were you going to say goodbye?" He goes, "No, nah, I was trying to get out of here." Because he I'll see you when I get back. And she goes, like, she's like, what the heck, dude? Uh, you can see how hurt she is. And he's kind of cold. So she goes, well, good, I wish you good fortune. And then she goes to leave. And then he says, Sunday, come in here. He goes, you know, I'm strong and everything, but I'm weak in love. And he said he was the bravest. You know, he always had to be the bravest because he was a little bit smaller until he met uh, Sunday from the Isle of Narth. Uh, and he goes, you're my weakness. Uh, but he really goes, you know, really, I love you. And she swallows. He does this long explanation of, you know, what it's like to be an unsullied and not to have any weakness. Really good. I mean, like I said, the, like last season when these two, like with their, uh, when they were drinking that wine, or at least she was, like uh, the silliness uh, when they were alone with Tyrion. But anyway, like he goes, now I'm afraid because I'm in love. Uh, a fear, and she goes, I do too. And then they have this long moment, then this epic kiss, and then uh, I don't know if it was what band does that song. I think it's like, uh, I don't know, like I can't remember now, but uh, I don't think it's the same. But you know, they they said they feel like, feel like making love, and they do, uh, just like the song says. And you know what else they feel like doing is transferring to a shot of the library where Sam's, you know, Sam has been making a lot of love to the books, like in a good way, like, a, like and I mean, in a metaphorical way, because he's got it down. His boss is stacking. First book is the history of Lannister. So I don't know if that'll get a call back. Uh, but he's like, you know, I really need to find my voice. I couldn't tell, I guess, if he was talking about Sam ghostwriting for him or when Sam starts writing. Uh, but so whatever, he's like, one of us has got to find her voice. Uh, so read a lot of different books so you can find like, a, like a different styles. And Sam goes, what's the title of your book? Uh, anyway, boss, uh, and I can't remember. He says like, you know, uh, you know, Peppers and a chronicle of the wars of uh, following the death of King Robert the first, uh, Sam makes a bad, like a bad smell face. And he goes, well, you don't like the title? And Sam goes, what about something more poetic? And he goes, dude, we're, we're not poets, Charlie. Uh, 
And Sam's trying to get him to help. Like he says, geez, I've been reading a ton of books about this uh, grayscale stuff. Uh, he goes, you know, come on. Uh, he says, I think I can find a way to do it. But his boss is like, no, 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 no chance. No, you're not going to do it. Uh, and then we see a letter to Khaleesi, great penmanship. It's blurred, so we couldn't read anything but the Citadel. But uh, uh, then we hear a squeaking cart, and it interrupts his Sir Jorah, so it interrupts his thoughts. Uh, and then Sam rolls in. He's like, hello. He goes, what are you doing here? He goes, my name, like, totally, like, uh, cool. I love Sam. He goes, my name's Samuel Tarley, sworn brother of the Night's Watch. Knew your father, loved your father. He goes, today's not like the day. Reminded me of so many different scenes in movies. He goes, Today's the day you get cured. We're gonna fi- I'm gonna figure it out right now. And he goes, Drink this, all of it. He goes, What is it, rum? And then Sam hands it to him, takes the bag, takes a big pull. And then he pulls out Pylos on rare, uh, rare, rare grayscale stuff. Uh, he goes, You can take off your shirt. And he goes, This isn't for like modeling photos. This is, I got work to do. And then bite down on this leather thing. And Sir, Sir Jorah goes, you done this before? He goes, no, no, no. Something at face. Uh, uh, something nose at face. And no, no, something face. But he goes, I'm the best you got. Uh, and then we have Jorah, Sam starts to try to cure Sir Jorah. And it was such an intense scene for Sir Jorah. And I don't know if this was intentional but I'm very manipulative. I mean, like, as I said, like, I love being manipulated by the Game of Thrones team. Uh, that's one of my favorite things about the show, and is not being spoiled, is being led on an emotional journey. Uh, I mean, and like, where, and being led in unexpected places. And I did not expect uh, to forgive Sir Jorah. And I don't know if I'm forgiving him because it's more of an emotional burn. But this won him back again. Like, if, if, like, it was kind of similar to Walter White, uh, uh, a couple of times when Walter lost me. Like, this one, once, like I said, okay, I'm, 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 I'm I like Jorah again. I mean, he's no, no, no Onion Knight. Uh, but he, he's like, uh, seriously, like, I guess, like, is like, uh, like, like I said, okay, like, I'm feeling for him again. I have some comfort. Like, I want him to be cured and continue his mission. Uh, then we see, well, then Sam's going to poke something on Sir Jorah. Then we see a pie getting poked and then we see it's a hot pie and it's hot pie in Aria in that place where hot pie got hired. He goes, Hey, Harry, what's up? Aria goes, Hey, like, uh, where are you delivering these pies? I'm going to eat it. She cuts it like a pro and saying, like, just like I said, a hot pie, you could have a pie, guess. He goes, oh, the secret's browning the butter first before you make the, the dough or something. Aria goes, oh, well, I didn't do that. A little Aria pie joke uh, for those people that really like, uh, for the Frey family, I guess. And then he goes, did you ever find that lady night? Or, like, I sent her to find you and your sister. And then there's even, like, a little bit of a, like, moment. He goes, what happened to you, Harry? And Arya kind of thinks about it. She goes, give me some ale, man. And he says, did you know about Jon Snow? She, he goes, where are you going? She goes, deal with Cersei in uh, King's Landing. And he goes, did you hear about that Sept of Baylor? Who would blow up a Sept? And, like, I don't believe Cersei did it. Arya goes, Cersei would do that. Uh, 
He goes, well, why would you go there when your brother's king of the north, Jon Snow? And then the music starts, uh, and Arya's mind's blown. And she says, thanks, I'm out of here. And then there's a nice little thing. Our, uh, hop by goes, geez, I'm just like you, Arya. Or I'm like you, we're survivors. Uh, then Arya goes out front. She changes her path to head north. Uh, and once again... It's like, uh, this one is like, will Arya find her way home and what will home be when she finds, like, like uh, her home and her will be so d- drastically changed, you know, then I guess uh, that'll be the time for her to find her way home. Uh, she, she's definitely taking the long way home. I don't mean to quote songs. Uh, uh, Jon Snow, oh, okay. So she changes her path yet again. Then we see Jon Snow's in a map, uh, the maester, the new maester rolls up on him. He goes, here's a note for Raven from the Citadel. And John goes, this is a game changer, so I got to make a speech about it. And he makes a speech about du- there's dueling scrolls. He goes, scroll number one, a dragon glass, a dragon scroll, dragonstone. Scroll number two, three dragons and uh, the, the dragon queen and unsullied and Tyrion Lannister. At Dragonstone, uh, Daenerys, t- 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 uh, t- t- d- you know, Danny, she wants me to go bend the knee. When he says that, and Tyrion, Tyrion, he goes, this one's from Tyrion, the hand to Daenerys to Targaryen. Baelish has a reaction, like, hmm, And Sansa just watches, she's stone cold, and they says, yeah, three dragons, uh, and he goes, they said, come visit us. Uh, and he goes, I'm going to accept because uh, we need dragon glass uh, and allies. Uh, Sir Davos and I are going. And uh, Sansa goes, no way. Don't be don't be the dummy, you know. Uh, and uh, she goes, she's here for kingdoms, not friends. Uh, then the big guy with the breastplate from the Vale uh that, you know, was not very good at much, but getting tricked by uh, Baelish. He says, yeah, you shouldn't go. He, no way. Then the old gruff guy from the north, uh, he says no. Then Bear, the, the the young woman from Bear Island says no. She goes, we need a king in the north. Oh, and when he said, I'm going to accept, he, he looked over at Arya for a while. Uh, 4328, someone pounds out, order in the court. I didn't, I didn't know who did that, because uh, everybody's, you know, objecting. Uh, and uh, John's quiet. He goes, uh, yeah, you crowned me king. I didn't want to be king, but the north is my home. And no matter the odds, I'm going to stick up for it. But we need allies, powerful allies. And then he turns to Sansa again. He goes, I know it's a risk, uh, but he goes, basically, I'm leaving things in good hands. Uh, he goes, she goes, whose hands? He goes, yours. The North is yours. 44, 42. Uh, we see Baelish likes this. Also next to Baelish, two or three of the candles were out. So I don't know if the light didn't, if he didn't like the heat or the light or he blew them. You know, that'd be a Baelish move to just blow out candles. Uh uh, but I, I don't know, it stuck out. Uh, Brienne likes it. Uh, Sansa accepts uh, her brother's, uh, you know, that she's going to be warden in the north, I guess, with a nod. 
And then we go down to the uh, below uh, Winterfell. We see a pretty weak Ned statue. Or I mean, that's just my opinion. But uh, or I guess it, like uh, maybe not. I, I don't know. And uh, Jen looks. What is? Oh, John's looking at the thing, asking, you know, praying to his dad or whatever. And Baelish rolls up behind him like the Lucky Charms leprechaun. He literally says, uh, "Hey, deliver to meself." Uh, like that's what he says, just like a leprechaun. Meself, I delivered it like I delivered him myself. Uh, and then he says, "Blah blah blah." Do give my regards to Lord Tyrion. Also, let me get super weird. You know, I was—I know your dad loved your uh, stepmom. I loved your stepmom too. And Jon Snow goes, "How did you even get down here? This is family for family only." Uh, and he goes, "You know, John, he goes, they can't totally underestimated you. You're our only hope." Uh, he goes, you're last great hope. Uh, and, you know, he says, you don't belong down here. And Baelish goes, forgive me. We've never talked. Uh, and then John goes, we're not going to because you're a fool. Which I think was risky, you know, because uh, Baelish is too crafty. And Baelish says, how about a thank you, man? I saved your butt uh, with my stolen army. And also, not only do I love your mother, I love your sister and your mother. Did I say I love your mother and your sister? I'm confused about it, too. Could we talk for a minute? Do you think I love your sister because uh, because I love her or because she, like, she reminds me of your mother? And is it, does it matter? And John Snow goes, oh, it matters. Uh, like, just go, fight, go somewhere else and deal with these issues away from Winterfell. And he kind of storms off. He's not happy about it at all. And Baelish kind of looks after him, kind of like, what the heck, which is not good, you know. Like, uh, Baelish is like a bird, better bird in the hand. He's better, almost better that, like, I don't know anybody's, like, let him trick them. Maybe that's what Sansa will do. You know, let him pull the strings and then, you know, pull the strings out from under him. Uh, but I, I don't know. Maybe that's too tropey. I don't know. But uh, so then, uh, let's see. Jon Snow comes out. He he hops on his horse, waves goodbye to Sansa. There's lots of snow. Uh, then Baelish rolls out after him, kind of looking like he met with Lord Vader. And there's a long look he gives around, and then a long shot of him and Sansa, and like separated by distance. Uh, then there's a cold, Arya's in a cold, cold night, or her, her, her horse is nervous, uh, and then she gets surrounded and she meets with Nymeria again, her old wolf that she left behind, uh, probably somewhere nearby years and years ago when she was a different person, and it's a really long scene, it actually fright, frightened me a little bit, because they just said, well, this isn't going to be one of these anticlimactic, uh, where we, like, I was afraid for, like, Arya. She was having an emotional moment. But for me, I guess I was caught up in the physical moment where she was with her old wolf. Uh, and I said, no, no, we can't lose. This isn't how we can lose Arya, I would hope. Uh, and it turns out, no, Namiri just says, I'm a wild wolf now, Arya. You're a wild one. You are, I'm a sheep, dragon, wolves. Uh, why don't you head back north? I'm going to stick around. And Ari gets it, you know, she says, okay, I get it, I get it. I'm still not sure exactly who I am, but uh, I'm still on the road, you know, I'm on the road to discovery. 
So let's see. Then uh, dog does yeah the dog does not want to go north, but it's always a dire wolf. Uh, and then the, this was like then we were at the last scene, and it was shot a little bit differently. Well, the the action parts. Uh, and I watched this on a phone, and I I don't know if it was like watching it on a phone. It was very late at night on Sunday because I had a ton of family stuff, so I was also exhausted. And so I don't suggest watching that like that. But it uh, starts off with uh, the three sisters are kind of getting drunk, uh, the three sand sisters, uh, and talking, making fun of each other, mama, 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 and what they're going to do when they get to King's Landing. Uh, then we have, uh, like, uh, again, uh, the sister and Elias Sand drinking Dornish, like, like whatever ale. And she goes, this stuff's terrible. Wait till we drink some Dornish red. Uh, then they start flirting because she's like, do you have a boy or a girl? She goes, I have a boy and a, or a girl in every port. Uh, depends on the port, uh. But then she kind of calls uh, uh, Theon her protector because Elias Sands kind of treating him like he's a servant. Uh, and then their ship, uh, like, uh, like uh, it, it rocks because there's like this party siren. Or, uh, I don't know if siren's the right word. Turns out it's game night. And it's also like what better game night than when it's like thundering and cloudy. But of course, who comes over but freaking uh, what's his name and all his nutty friends? Uh, and they go out, and it's definitely shot at like a different frame rate or something, or at least parts of it were. And Euron comes, he just shows up uninvited. Uh, and like, so like, and they, they're playing this weird game. It's a combination of marbles and pogs. Neither game I ever played. But I've slowly learned that the purpose of both those games is to take stuff from the other players. Like you would play Pog or you play marbles, but you were really trying to win the other kids' Pogs or marbles. Like, uh, so it was a competition with real risk. Like you're losing, but with like, uh, they start playing and it freaking turns out Euron's like, a, like he's made the rules of the game. He's also like dominating in strategy, marble Pog strategy, like, uh, and for a while, it's like a little bit competitive, but he starts just winning all the ships. Uh, he says, oh, by the way, these represent, these pogs are real ships from the Iron Fleet. And everyone else was like, and he goes, not, not just that, like, those are the pogs. The marbles are, uh, like, uh, you got to go, like, uh, you got to go visit, visit all the puppies, uh, that you used to have when you were a little kid, uh, so it gets really complicated and, and intense. You know, feelings are hurt. They said, well, I just, like, I just lost all my marbles. Uh, what am I going to play with now? What are my parents going to say? They just came down here to play pogs and marbles. I didn't realize it had real stakes. And, you know, really uh, a lot of, a uh, lot of, uh, like, yeah. And uh, Theon just can't handle it. Uh because he's been through a lot already. Because his sister says, I think you're on broke the rules, uh, by the way. And I need you, like, like it just ends up being the three of them. And she goes, you need to stand up to him and tell him he's breaking the rules. Like, this isn't fair. He should return some of our ships or some of our friends or something. And Euron's like, no, this is all or nothing. I'm going to win all the marbles, all the pogs. 
And he goes, you know, I, I, are you assertive, Sian? And Sian goes, I've been through too much. I got to get out of here. I'm not a protector of pogs. I'm not a protector of marbles. We've lost our marbles. And metaphorically, like he has in the past, uh, had his marbles taken away before. And didn't even realize the third layer of meta, like the, the, the third layer of meta marbles that he lost. Uh, but he did. And so he just jumps. He says, I'm going to go swimming. I got to, like, uh, I need to clear my head. And, like, uh, Euron's got this crazy laugh. Uh, like, he's, like, uh, like taking all the other kids' toys. And then the last scene is uh, Theon in the water watching all his, uh, like, his sibling, sister, and all the people he's supposed to be working with, that they were going to have their own game night, private, without Euron and Euron's people. Like, watching them leave, just basically drive off in a ship uh, with all the marbles, all the bogs, uh, all, everything. And at the end, it's in the water, and he goes, wait, I don't even have a ride home. I don't know who's going to pick me up. Uh, and, uh, t- like, uh, like not exactly the way to end it, because not only that, they had, like, a lot of the Khaleesi, like the Khaleesi had said, this is for the big game night, uh, no mansplaining, and, you know, we're going to just have a game night without any friggin' patriarchy crap, and, uh, all those toys are gone, all those bar- 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 pogs and marbles are gone. And so Theon's going to have to sit with that, and that's how we sit with the episode comes to a close. But you know what we know, like, the Khaleesi won't, you know, she won't hang with that. She'll say, uh, we don't need to play, she goes, we'll play with gold doubloons or something. We don't need your friggin' pogs and Euron. Plus, Euron rhymes with moron, kind of, muron, moron. So it'll work out. It'll be fine for Theon. Uh, you know, hopefully he gets one more shot of redemption. Uh, and, uh, like, uh, or maybe they just say, well, let's play dominoes instead and just keep score with pen and a pencil. No real stakes. But it's hard when you think about it as a kid. Uh, I didn't realize that. The, 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 I never played marbles. I, that skipped my generation. And then when Pogs came around, I, I missed that trend, too. The closest thing I had was it like a, a, a baseball cards, but I wasn't a collector. So sometimes people would trade baseball cards, and I tried a couple times. Uh, so I don't know. So I can't help you, Theon. Well, all I can do is think about like that. Uh, you know, I like Sir Jor again, so that's always good. Eric, like uh, we get on to the next section a little bit here. Okay, so we're start, let's talk about some facts from tonight's show that came up. You know, the first one was the rain, and there's a lot of songs about rain. Uh, but raindrops keep falling on my head is one song that's about raindrops uh, falling on my head. It's by B.J. Thomas. It says it's from the Forrest Gump soundtrack. I always associate it with... Uh, it was a Bush, Dan- Bush Dancity and the Sundance, Bush Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And also, this is one of the few, like, this is one of, I, I do freestyle a lot of things on my own. And this is one song I like to freestyle. Well, I don't freestyle. I go from Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head to, like, one of the first to hit YouTube videos. I think before there was an even YouTube with uh, this guy, Andy. He was a comic. He looked like he was a kid. Uh, 
uh, Andy Mil- Mil- Milanakis, I think was his name, and he had this uh, really naughty rap. That was real funny. But anyway, raindrops keep falling on my head. Uh, and that's just like the guy whose feet are too big for his bed did not know that uh, nothing seems to fit. The raindrops are falling on my head. They keep falling. Does Carly Simon sing this one? So I just did me some ta- talking to the sun. And I said I don't like the way he got things done. Sleeping on the job. Those raindrops keep falling on my head. They keep falling. But there's one thing I know. Uh, the blues they send to meet me won't defeat me. It won't be long till happiness steps up to greet me, Khaleesi. Raindrops keep falling on my head. But that doesn't mean my eyes will soon be turning red. Crying's not for me. Dragons don't cry, I guess, because uh, I'm not going to ever stop the rain by complaining because I'm free. Nothing's worrying me. It won't be long till happiness steps up to greet me. Raindrops keep falling on my head. But that doesn't mean my eyes will soon be turning red. Crying's not for me. Because I'm never going to stop the rain by complaining because I'm free. Nothing's worrying me. So this raindrops keep falling on my head. Uh, then there was a moment where everybody, like, uh, who was the first person that said, I choose you? Oh, uh, Vera said that to Khaleesi. And that reminded me of the epic Simpsons episode for, from early season, which I will talk about here. Where Lisa gives out, like, my memory is that Lisa gives out Valentine's to everybody. I, I'm very much like Ralph Wiggum. So this was very, this episode really reminds me of me. And Lisa gives every kid a Valentine. But of course, I think Ralph only gets one from Lisa. So he falls in love with her because he gets a little affection. And they used to have to be like, at least the, 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 the women in my life knew, to, 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 they would say, now don't read anything into this. Uh, it doesn't mean anything. I think at least it does say that to Ralph. Uh, but the thing is a, a train, and it says, I cho- choose you. Uh, so let's see what Wikipedia says. They called the episode I Love Lisa, 15th episode of the fourth season, 1993, February 11th, so right around Valentine's Day. Lisa gives Ralph a Valentine's Day card because he didn't have any. He reads too much into it and relentlessly pursues Lisa with affection. Uh, Lisa loses her temper and says she never liked him. And then Ralph uh, uh, channels his feelings into his performance of George Washington at the President's Day pageant. uh, And he's able to accept Lisa as a friend. Let's see, this is like, uh, let's see, it says uh, she gives, Ralph doesn't get any, Lisa hands him a card out of sympathy, Ralph cheers up and develops, her, but it, it doesn't say the card, it, said, it was a train that said, I choo- choose you. Let's read about the production. It, this was the first episode Frank Mueller wrote, wrote for The Simpsons, previously worked at Gracie Films with Sam Simon, the great Sam Simon. And this was the first season four episode that Wes Archer directed. Jeff Martin and Mueller wrote the music for the pageant, and Michael Carrion, Michael Carrington stars as Rex, a boy who auditions uh, for George Washington, but Ralph wins. Uh, the story of I Love Lisa originated from a personal episode of Al Jean's life in third grade. 
He received valentines from a girl that said, I choo-choose you. Years later, Gene wondered if the girl had really liked him. And he told Mike Reese about it, and they thought it could be an episode where Lisa gives a valentine to Ralph Wiggum, who takes it too far. Wow, this is funny. At that time, Ralph and Chief Wiggum were not established as being related. Gene thought it'd be funny if Ralph was Wiggum's son. Uh, You just have to read it for yourself. Uh, uh, Technique staff used to come up with stories and ideas to think, what holiday haven't we done on The Simpsons or done lately? And they liked the idea of doing a Valentine's Day episode. Uh, Monster Mash and Break On Through are featured in the episode, and Strangers in Paradise is in the Itchy and Scratchy cartoon. Uh, the fictional character's voice of Droopy Dogs in it. Uh, uh, stuff was Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, references of Paul Rubens. In uh, the original broadcast, it uh, finished 18th in the ratings for the week uh, with a Nielsen rating of 14.9, highest-rated show on Fox that week. And it got, it got a lot of positive reviews. I loved it. Uh, oh, controversy. Uh when Skinner tells the children at school that Valentine's Day is not a joke uh, because Bart makes fake candy hearts, he had a flashback of which he was uh, of when he was a serving as a veteran. And there's references to Colonel Kurtz in there. Uh, Skinner sees one of his old friends, and they talk about sending uh, Valentine's Days uh, and being a veteran. And, uh, like, uh, how tough it is in the reference to Apocalypse Now. I, I, don't, I guess I don't know the controversy stuff to read. Maybe they just didn't like that it was about that. So that's, uh, like, I choo-choo, I, you know what, listeners? I choo-choose you. Another pop culture reference that came up for me was in uh, Maester Clyburn pitching the, Cali- I mean, uh, uh, Circe, and, uh, like, it kind of was like this military-industrial-complex arms dealers, dealer feel to it. And it reminded this, me of this movie I saw a lot as a kid called Deal of the Century with um, Chevy Chase and Gregory Hines. And I really liked it as a kid when I was in fourth grade. And, uh, like, I didn't really hear much about it. It turns out that I guess it wasn't very good except for kids that shouldn't have been watching it. So this is Robert Ebert's Robert Ebert Robert Ebert Roger. So this is Roger Ebert's review of it from February eighth, uh, nineteen November eighth, nineteen eighty three. I just uh, so I'll be quoting and paraphrasing. Uh, this is on RogerEbert.com. Hey Roger, what's up? Uh, hope you like this podcast, but I guess you like. Uh, I just about decided there's no such thing as madcap comedy. Tragedy can be random. Slices of life don't have to make a lot of sense, but comedy requires discipline. Unless a comedy is about something, unless it establishes ground rules, there's no way to violate those rules to get laughs. Uh, People running around acting funny look unhappy, awkward, and uncertain. And that's what they look like in William Friedkin's uh, Deal of the Century, a movie that depends on inspiration when it should have depended on a script or rules, I guess. Uh, Chevy Chase, Gregory Hines, Gregory Hines, Wally Shaw, and Sigourney Weaver all star in it. Uh, 
uh, Chase and Hines are second-rate uh, de- arms dealers who go anywhere to sell their army surplus uh, merchandise, and uh, uh, the plot goes grows fearsomely complicated. Chase and Hines get involved with Sigourney Weaver, who's the widow of a competing arms dealer. Uh, they're trying to get they're in South America, trying to make a big deal with a peacemaker. Uh, which is manufactured by a big company, but it's flawed. So they use Chase uh, as a middleman to sell it fast in Central America. And so it's on all episode, no structure, all hijinks, no discipline. Uh, Chevy Chase labors manfully, but once again, he hasn't been asked to play a character. He's been asked to play Chevy Chase. After his disasters, he raises his eyebrow and his famous patented, what can you do like, and we grow a little exasperated. By the evidence, Deal of Century seems to have had one of two problems. Either it was filmed without a finished script, or it was originally a lot longer. And this version is missing some crucial narrative links. Either way, the movie's a disappointing mess. So that like that's deal century. I mean, I remember as a kid, like I liked that madcap style, but I, you know, I was in fourth grade. Uh, so yeah, so that's it. And then here's another um, lyrics, and you, I guess you could see this is go, goes to this Missande Grey Worm scene because they were saying goodbye to one another. Uh, how do I say goodbye to what we had, the good times that made us last? That made us laugh outweigh the bad. I thought we'd get to see forever, but forever's gone away. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Uh, I don't know where this road is going to lead. All I know is where we've been through, or where we've been and what we've been through. If we get to see tomorrow, I hope it's worth the wait because it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. And most importantly, and I'll take with me my memories, uh, take with me the memories to be my sunshine after the rain. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. And it looks like that was written by uh, Christina Perrin and Frederick Perrin, uh, performed originally by uh, Boys to Men and Cooley High Harmony. And then let's finish up with Pogs, because I didn't even barely know what Pogs were, and maybe people don't know about that, and we'll talk about marbles. This is a Mental Floss article, The Weird History of Pogs, P-O-G-S, by Kate Erbland, from uh, January 3rd, 2014. And I'll be, like, uh, trying to paraphrase. And uh, during the Neontinge days of the 80s and 90s, slap bracelets hit risk, Game Boys, Trapper Keepers... But there was one lo-fi toy, I think this was in the early 90s, not the late 80s, uh, that every youngster wanted uh, without realizing that it used to be just milk bottle caps. Uh, You didn't forget that Pogs were originally milk bottle caps, did you? Uh, Maybe when you were playing tetherball, at least they got to start the game of Menko. The actual gameplay behind Pogs has been attributed to the classic game, Japanese game Menko, which is popular since the Edo period. Uh, centered on paper players attempting to flip cards or pieces of their opponent, much like modern Pogs. Uh, the original Menko pieces were the size of milk caps and featured images of Japanese cultural icons like wrestlers and warriors. They weren't made out of cardboard or plastic, though. They were shaped from clay, wood, or ceramics. Uh, 
and Japanese immigrants brought the game with them to Hawaii in the early 20th to earliest early 20th century. Industrious kids started using milk bottle caps as Manko game pieces, and the game of Manko started evolving. Uh, gameplay playing pogs doesn't just involve random throwing and slapping, no matter how it looked at lunchtime. The point of pog is to flip your opponent's pieces. Most schoolyard battles went, you know, for the pog, just like it for keeps, like I was saying. Players face off by contributing the same number of pogs to a stack, all face down. First player aims, shoots, and slaps down the slammer on the stack, and if any pog that flies out and lands face up is their pog, repeat, fun, right? Uh, pogs, we know, it sprang from a juice that's popular in Hawaii. Uh, pog juice. Pa- oh, yeah, passion, o- orange, and guava. So delicious. Uh, and, uh, like, uh, yeah, so that was, and then there's the World Pog Federation. And then Pog became popular uh, across the country and the world as a go to delivery service of images. Uh, and uh, they were banned in schools around, uh, around the world. Uh, but then it burned out by the mid-90s, like a lot of other fads. So that's a little bit about Pogs, and these will be in the show notes if you want to read more. And then Marbles, a spherical toy. This is from Wikipedia, made from glass, uh, clay, steel, plastic, or uh, uh, agate or whatever, agates. Uh, history, they were, they started as balls of stone. They were mentioned in Ovid's poems of uh, Rome. Uh, seen in Egypt and Mesopotamia, in Britain and the medieval area era, their first marbles were first manufactured in Ger- Germany, maybe in the 1800s. Uh, and then a German glassblower invented marble scissors uh, in 1846, and they moved to they're made in Akron, Ohio, in the U.S. Uh, marble games. Uh, uh, let's see, if, like uh, you flick the marble, let's see, in Australia, they were played with marbles of different sizes, uh, uh, but they were much the way, ordin- I don't know the difference between ordinary and non-ordinary marbles. Uh, owners of large marbles didn't want to lose them because they were playing keepsies. Uh, uh, firing a marble meant a player had to flick their marble from a stationary position in their hand. No part of the hand firing the marble was permitted to be in the front position. This is seriously complicated, but basically you're trying to hit people's marbles, you know, to take them. And then people would collect them. And obviously uh, marbles made it longer than, uh, but I feel like I've I've never played a game of marbles. I don't think in my whole life, uh, maybe this will be, maybe this will be the, like the time when marble playing marbles comes back. I mean, it does seem like, except for losing the marbles part that it could be somewhat relaxing, maybe. I mean, I like to, like, uh, we just put marbles in bags and, you know, plan if we we're, like, in Home Alone, you know, that if we needed them or the Goonies, uh, we would save marbles for those type situations and use them to make noises to get on my parents' nerves. Uh, so that's marbles. That's some of the facts that came up tonight. Thanks uh, for listening. And uh, here's the next part of the show. Okay. Okay. Are you ready, Padman? Okay, well, I have to answer. Okay, I know you're excited, Tom, and oh, yes, I'm so excited, Budman. And it's been a long time since you've been on the show, I think. I mean, I won't know until this is aired, but uh, I want to introduce everybody to you. 
and you don't trust me to introduce myself. I, I realize that, uh, but I won't be myself. I'll be a figure. So Pounce and I are going to take, okay, we'll do all the radio stuff. It, it, like, I just want people to know because uh, it's been a year since you've had a regular uh, thing on the show. Oh, and why is that? Were you saying it was because R. Oh, Martin took so long? What was it HBO? You said, darn that HBO. Why isn't the show 10 episodes and sooner? Don't you complain about that once? Okay, thanks, Simon. But it was so, hey, everybody's here in this segment. This is a regular segment we have on Game of Thrones episodes. And it's with, I guess if you're a Game of Thrones listener, you'll know that you'll be familiar with these characters. Sir Tom and, and Sir Pounce, uh, Prince Tom and King Tom and... The details of how I can make a podcast with Prince Tom and, and uh, Sir Pounce may or may, like, during the older episodes, uh, so you may or may not hear that, but uh, it's an honor to have them. Holy mackerel, is it an honor. And uh, if you don't listen to watch Game of Thrones, you, you, you're, you're, and you're listening, like, uh, that's great. Uh, uh, Tommen was once the king of Westeros, I think, or of... Uh, and then he became, then he came to change his name to Mikey and came to live with my neighbor. But since this is Game of Thrones, he's still going to go by Tom. And he doesn't watch the show, just in case anybody asks, because uh, uh, that would be terribly confusing uh, to for him. Uh, but yeah, he lives now under the name Mikey. Also, it's just too confusing. But he he likes to have an old time style radio show with him and Sir Pounce, uh, Sir Pounce and him. And I guess with all that, I'll turn it over to uh, Tom and Pounce. Well, hello, everyone. This is uh, Mikey, uh, Mikey, uh, the, excuse me, Mikey, Mikey, sir, uh, the general manager of uh, K-Pounce Radio. And I want to introduce you to a new segment uh, that we've, you know, due to cost-cutting measures and because I watched uh, the Star Trek TNG and I fell in love with this, not in that kind of love, uh, I fell in love with this character. Also, oh, let me, uh, a boy, and oh, and also the pod boy, he makes this podcast. He, he sometimes he is, can be nice, and he told me when he was a boy like me, but he said I was, he was 10 years younger than me, but anyway, not important that part. He would sit in his room and record himself making commercials, uh, radio commercials. And so we here at Cape Ounce Radio decided to create the golden age of uh, radio commercials after I met uh, Berlinghoff. He'll be a character, though. That's who I'll be playing. In case, also, I'm Sir Tommen playing uh, and pretending to be the general manager of Cape Ounce Radio. I bet you didn't know this. Sir Pounce, they didn't know that. Yes, man. Yes, it is. I am fine. I am good at radioing. In casting the pod, if you're consuming this by pod, uh, well, you may be confusing. So next week I won't explain this to you, and I don't want to have to pike any of you. So make sure you, uh, so without further ado, uh, I'm going to, inter- you know, I'm going to do my radio announcer for pod- pod- podcaster. Podboy does it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, this afternoon's broadcast of uh, The Cat That Ate the Canary is now interrupted uh, for a break from our sponsors. 
Well, thank, thank you, Ted. Uh, I'm, uh, this is Professor Berlinghofer Rasmussen here. And I'm here with my partner, uh, Gene. Say hello, everyone. Say hello to everyone, Gene. Hansman. Yes, and we're here uh, today to offer, we have a special offer for all the listeners of K-Pounce Radio. Now, I don't know how many of you are familiar with me, but I am a great uh, professor with a time machine. And I cross uh, both time and space looking for the best deals for the listeners of K-Pounce Radio. And also, we also look behind things and look for, for things uh, with large margins so we can make the most, you know, because we know the listeners at K-Pounce Radio have the highest of standards. And I was recently on a journey across time and space into the dumpster land, east, the, east, the blue bin, it was called this planet. It had a moon, maybe it was the moon, the blue bin moon. And I was there with Gene, my cat, my best friend, and my partner. And we had landed on the planet. And I had a feeling in my heart, a feeling of woe. And I could sense it was back on Earth. Uh, and I remembered all the sad Earth people I'd seen, especially the pod boy, walking in the rain and getting wet. And I'd heard, you know, especially from letters I receive here at K-Pounce Radio, uh, that, you know, people are saying, oh, when it rains, I get wet, and the only thing I have is an umbrella. And then I'm always losing my umbrellas, and even the pod boy, who I consider the main, he represents the market of buffoons out there. Now, I know most K-Pounce listeners aren't buffoons, but maybe you could relate to this thing. He researched a reverse umbrella that wouldn't solve getting lost. But he said, what do you think of this, Tom? And, uh, do you think this really works? I said, ho, ho, ho. I have to travel to the Blue Blind, Blue Blind Planet uh, in search of answers. And I'll return when I have one for this rain and this wetness. And I will save Earth from this problem for a price, though. A low, low price of only nineteen ninety nine, dollars And also, $19.99 can of friskies. Right, Sir Pounce? Yes, sir. All me, all me and meow mix uh, uh, deluxe, uh, right? Uh, live with liver, only liver. Uh, uh, you could send that directly to me. It's prepaid, and we have here... Now, let me get back to the story part of this sale. For the problem is you're all wet, or you have an umbrella, you lose it, or the wind breaks it, or you forget to bring it. But I was on this blue blind planet, and I, I met these creatures, and they were flat, and they were folded up, and uh, I said, what are you doing hiding behind and within the planet? Some of them lived in the planet's core. Some of them hid behind the planet. They were flat. And I said, what do, what do they call your people? I've never seen a... F they said, we are the corrugators. And I said, ooh, the corrugators. Oh, so pleasure to meet you. And I said, what do you do exactly? And they said, well, nothing anymore. Once... We held great things. We were vessels of delivery of gifts and wonder. But well, we've been cast aside. And I said, what a self... 
You sound like a planet that needs to be saved. And they said, oh, if only we had a hero that cared about us. And, and then Gene was uh, sniffing them and scratching. And I said, Gene, do you like to scratch at these corrugators? And they said, oh, it feels so good to be needed and not to be cycled. For in our world, when you're no longer loved, you get cycled. And I said, this will not stand. Before my mother, she she was like a, a lot of this comes from my mother. Because she she would have just she tried to cycle me, you know, and I said no. I oh, this is what I've the work I've been doing is Mikey. Oh yes, yes. Thank you for licking my hand, Gene. Also, Gene is my best friend, Sapounce. Really, just in case you don't know that. And I said to these corrugated people, I will bring you back to Earth. And I will find a purpose for you so grand, for I've seen the Earth people. And I know they are plagued at times by these umbrellas. And the, I know I could sell you, I because I could take you from here for free. You're desperate, right? And they said, we are. And so, Earth people, that day was born the day your solution to all your rain problems came. Not an umbrella. Not a, uh, or something, a rain slicker, but a, a, a something flat, something foldable, and something that you could talk to that comes from a planet from outer space, a corrugator. It's flat, it's foldable, and we also have deluxe ones, which have uh, d- uh, another thing from another planet called Duke Top. From a great another planet, the Duktapa uh, silver, it, it makes it even more water resistant. And you can also get it with it this today only if you purchase uh, with the Friskies in the 1999. I will send you not one, but two personal corrugator rain protectors with uh, their own twine, which you can then use uh, to create a backpack. Uh, I do not have the instructions, but uh, you could figure it out. You just poke a hole, you make a knot, and then you could wear it on your back. Because the pod man said, would I, I'm going to carry this board around. And I said, it's not a board. It's a human. It's just like a human from the blue bin planets. And so you send your orders today. And if you want the deluxe model with the Duke Top on there, you just uh, throw in an extra $50. And you send it directly to uh, uh, K-Pounce Radio, care of Sir Pounce. Uh, the Friskies or the Meow Mix only liver. Otherwise, we'll return it. It was COD. Uh, uh, yes, that's, I'm serious. This is I'm a serious businessman now, Mikey, K-Pounce Radio. You have the chance for, for Professor Berlinghofer. I've, I've, it is not, this is not an earthbound thing. Uh, it's a one-time only deal, too. Otherwise, the price will go up uh, in a two-for-one deal. Also, there is a shipping and handling charge, and it's pending. So depending on how many orders I get, it is how much I will charge for shipping and handling. But here at Cape Outs Radio, not only that, it will come with a story to tell your friends. The story you've just heard, because at Cape Outs Radio... Story means sales. I think Ray told me to say something like that. Uh, professional. I'm a professional broadcaster. 
But story means sales, uh, and this is the life I was meant to live, I believe, as Professor Berlinghofer and a radio man, not as that boy in the, with my mother. She was so few, but now I have a life here, and it's mostly good, though I do miss her sometimes because she smelled like lavender. Oh, and my brother, my sister, it is so... It also feels good. The other thing about the the corrugator is you could rub it and and it does and you can tap it. You can make music, which you could regale your friends, and they say, "What is this miracle object you have protecting you from the rain?" And you say, "This is not of this planet. It is from planet Bluebin, Professor Berlinghofer." the world-famous one who Jean-Luc Picard wanted. One day I'll tell you the tale of how I escaped from Jean-Luc Picard. And though I don't have access to that period of time, they've time-locked me or something, I will be raising funds to be untime-locked. That is part of my business here. Also, Berlinghofer's Vengeance will be a book I'm working on. Mr. Pounce and I, that's amazing. Or, oh, yeah, or audio drama podcast. Uh, so get your orders in today. Don't wait. Tell your friends. Uh, uh, corrugation. It's what's, for, it's what's for everybody when it rains. Uh, thank you, Professor Burlinghoff and uh, my uh, Gene, my side. Mason, why not? That's right. Don't miss a chance to avoid the rain. This is Professor Burlinghoff. Uh, it's, it's really me and Sabounce. It's so Tom and hey, hey. That was my first one. I don't know if you liked it. Uh, I was pretending to be Professor Rasmussen Berlinghofer. He was on TNG. I love that show. I love sitting. Some I, I asked Podman if I could sit in his lap. He said I was too big, but I do snuggle against him. <laughs> and so pounce, and then the Podman's allergic to cats, so he sneezes and we laugh. Uh, and I say, "Oh, do you have a one in woes?" And he says, "I do." I got to take some Benadryl, but I love it. Berlinghofer. He has the same hair as the Podman. It is funny. And he, the Podman said he is also Max Edrum. So that is it for today. Thank you for joining us here on Cape Bounce Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, this is Sir Tommen signing off. Uh, good day. Uh, Crone, sweet, sweet Crone, Miller, Smith, Barky, Jester, Hound, I don't know, it's been a while. Hey, 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 Gads, uh, Gads, this is like, a, like I got to set up the new listeners here. Uh, this has been about a, over a year since I talked to you, which doesn't say much about, you know, it doesn't say much about, that's more of a reflection on me. But, you know, like, and, and I say, geez, we got a time-sensitive situation, shortened season coming up here. Uh, but I say, here's, here's the intro. So, like, uh, so new listeners, uh, listeners that don't have listened to this a thousand times, like, so, uh, and they want to introduce the, the old gods and the new gods and the newest gods. Those of you that watch Game of Thrones and those of you that don't, uh, I'll treat you all equally, just like I tr- treat the gods unequal, you know, unequally. Uh, just like the gads treat me unequally, even when I try to treat them unequally and say, well, I'll pray to you more, you know, if you give me some stuff, that didn't work. 
you know, but in Westeros, the world of Game of Thrones, uh, there's the old gods and the new, and they're all great. And that was where I came to as a, like a believer of Game of Thrones, uh, I said, "Geez, and, and this is a, this is a, this is just my personal belief system." In case anybody's listening with RR in the middle of their name, or DB, you know anybody that like this is just my. I'm just mixed up, but you know, human on earth here, gods, as you know, crone. I got those notes you left for me, uh, but. Uh, so I say, he said I was watching this Game of Thrones, and I said, well, they got the old gods and the new. Does anybody double your gods, double your uh, life lessons? In my case, like double your slow, painful life lessons, but I'm expecting eventually to double my delight with the gods, old and new. So let me introduce our lineup as I do every season. Uh, coming in uh, first, because she... she uh, should probably be the first, whatever happens to gods after their gods, uh, all-seeing, all-knowing. And she knows I'm kidding when I say she's all complaining. She's the crone, and she's the the wisest of the wizened, and uh, like it can, it can be grouchy uh, when she's in a good mood, uh, the crone. Uh, other than that, I don't know. She She's the wisest of the gods, uh, it, when she's listening into my prayers, which is all the time, because I know you can retouch. Supposedly, she can see the future, and when it's gonna, when it's not looking good, she lets you know constantly. Uh, I, I th- she's not a harpy, but she knows how to harp on things. Uh, that's the crone, and she, 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 uh, she, uh, she hasn't smoted me unless like she has a new form of smoting that takes forever, and. Uh, I think she does. So that's the crone. Sorry about that crone, but I'm nervous, you know, kicking off a new season. So that's the crone. Miller, uh, every god needs to eat. All the gods need to eat. The humans need to eat. And somehow the god a million got left out when they crafted the gods old and new. And so I said, hey, let's throw a Miller in there. So that's the Miller. Smith, uh, is the god who I kind of felt I felt like uh, was getting ripped off because there's a warrior and a maiden and a smith. And I said, what a ripoff. The smith's got to make all this stuff for the warrior who gets all the glory, gets to kiss the maiden, unless you, maiden, unless you guys aren't getting along. And then, you know, I've been telling you, I'm down here, maiden, uh, you know, just doing my thing, you know, uh, human stuff. You know, being fa- fallible, double fallible too. So that's the Smith crafting, working hard, sweating. Uh, probably has bigger muscles than the warrior. Also, I, I don't. Uh, my belief system doesn't have the warrior because uh, I believe the warrior's overrated. And also, I don't believe it, but I'm seriously hoping the warrior's hard of hearing. Uh, war, mother and father, other gods that I don't, you know, I got to deal with them on earth. So that's enough for me. So we got the crone, we got the miller, we got the smith. And next up is the god. Everyone giggles, giggles with delight. The god that represents all the old gods and all the, you know, also has been featured in movies. 
the guy that Joseph Campbell had in mind when he talked about, uh, you know, some of that stuff, Barky, the oldest of the old gods, uh, older than the crone, but he, Barky knows how to smile. Barky's represented in the, as old gods as trees might have something to do with Max von Sydow and, uh, the children, but I'm not even sure. But I know, you know, I can't pick favorites, but I do. Barky is my favorite god. You know, other, other than Maiden, that's a different kind of favorites. That's Barky, the old, old tree. You, you, in Barky, I don't know if, did you catch Guardians of the, Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Because I bought a ticket, a second ticket, I had a seat for you. I bought, I brought two dancing groups with me. And then they asked, they said, you can't. And I said, no, 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 this is, this is how Barky's going to see the movie. And then I shouted, what in the name of Treebeard? And they said, sir, sir. Also, I dressed Barky. I didn't have a, uh, I don't have an official Barky outfit. But I did find a children's costume for the tree from, uh, it was a vintage children's costume from Mr. Rogers' neighborhood of the tree where something happened, I forget, because I blocked out that part of my childhood. But and they said there's no co- costumes, and I said this is a, I said this is a vestment, not a costume. So we didn't. I don't know. I, I threw, I threw your ticket in the air. So in case, uh, uh, so hopefully you saw it. I didn't see it, Barky, because was, you know, it's still. Uh, so again, hopefully, Baby Groot. It looked super. Baby Groot looks super cute in the uh, trailers. So that's Barky, everybody. Okay, Miller Smith, Barky Jester. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if you're allowed to call God's handsome in a in a way that doesn't. I don't think the Jester's has an ego because it'd be so big it would you know absorb the world. But there's a trickster God. Who was rolling around Earth? Uh, was he like the Seven Sons or something? And uh, then he got a gig uh, dealing with Pablo Escobar. But we all remember him is is when he when I when he left. I said he should be a god, and he is, and that's the jester. Yeah, uh, the god that, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, we can also jester, hopefully, please tell me you're not dating the maiden, but that's a jester. Oh, also, there's one god who returned to earth, that's the hound, so I don't know the hound god. Uh, I don't know how he dealt with that last season, but that was a god uh, with a hangdog look and... Uh, like not as grouchy as the the crone, uh, but reminds me of me, and that's a hound. So I think that's all the gods. Probably I forgot some Miller Smith, Barky Jester, Hound. I think that's all the gods uh, currently in my lineup. Uh, and yeah, if you're new, I usually I like to close out a Game of Thrones episode uh, uh, talking to the gods, old and new, for a few minutes. And it's been it's been quite a year, you know. Crone, Miller, Smith, Barky, Jester, Hound, Dog. I don't know if you're listening, but uh, so I want to thank you for all you know all the all those uphills uh, that you know. Thanks for helping me uh, develop my uh, endurance uh, going uphill. Thanks for all the nice people and the nice listeners. Uh, 
and the kindness people have showed me really taught me a lot about oh thanks for that uh, dude running things here too by the way crone that's hilarious jester i don't know if you're in charge of the spray tan or what but holy moly and that's all i'll say about that because uh you, you know just just one just another life lesson tucked in a life lesson hi gods Miller, thank, I don't know if you have anything to do with soda, but I, I've been, like, since the last time I talked to you guys, I can't. Uh, so thanks for that, Miller. Thanks for those refined grains. Uh, keep it up. But really, guys, you know, as always, uh, you know, my biggest things are the FEAR and lack of patience. And I know that's what you're trying to teach me so hard. It, it, in Crone, I know I'm passive aggressive. It must be hard dealing with me. So, uh, you know, my apologies to all the other gods affected. Uh, also, just because I'm maiden, just because I'm apologizing doesn't mean I'm not tough. Uh, do, do, uh, I'm just not tough in general. But I, well, I'm gruff. I'm like a Billy Goat gruff. Uh, but I wanted, gods, thanks for, uh, thanks for showing me all this kindness, all these kind people that listen to this podcast. All the listeners that try to find ways to support it, they say, geez, this really helps me. Let me find a way to help keep this going. That means a lot to me. Uh, thank you for my family. Thank you. Okay, you know, can't help to say, say anything without that. You know, I'm a lucky person and so lucky to uh, get notes from the crown. Uh, you know, they just cry like you're doing it wrong. You know, what do you think? You know, thanks, Crone. Those are great reminders. Uh, also, I don't know if my in, internal critic, I think it's ju- you're just you ju- like, uh, what is they call when you're only into one guy? You know, like I'm into polygods, but my, um, you know, my internal critic's monotheistic for you, Crone. So that's always, and I think that's getting stronger. So, but, you know, thank you for helping me. Uh, I know I could do better with being patient and maybe being less, uh, like just walking slower, looking people in the eye, smiling, gesture. I could definitely use some hands with that, uh, but don't tickle me. Like, don't use your hands to tickle me. I'm not interested in that, but, uh, so like, uh, so that's, I think that's it, gods, um, I was trying to think what else, uh, you're so, like, uh, yeah, I don't know, guys, I missed you. I did miss you all, miss checking in with you. I just, like, I do a lot of recording, so so uh, I can't rec- couldn't record when it's out of season. But, oh, Crone, did I miss you? Those bunions, I, I can't tell you how many times I thought about them and said, oh, boy, you're... They said, what am I feeling so out of sorts? Oh, because I'm not rubbing the crone's bunions. And do I have a pumice stone with your name on it, crone, right here in my lap? Uh, I got that tub and everything, so I'm ready to, to do my penance, uh, uh, crone. And, you you know, we, 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 we have fun when we do that. Uh, or, you know, I just do it because hopefully I get some God stuff sooner or later. And, uh, you know, like, I don't know if you have any new lever spots for me to, you know, look at and uh, kiss my finger and touch. But, you know, we'll we'll discuss that, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, as long as you keep those uh, 
Keep me, keep me humble. You know, that's what you, Crone, you got that down. But in all seriousness, guys, it's good to be back for another season of GOT. It's good to be back, uh, you know, in the groove. My spirit is not wail. It's wailing with joy. What's well, wailing, and it might not sound like joy, but one day I think I'll look back at it and say, oh, no, it's wailing with joy. I just didn't realize it. Uh, so keep me patient, gods. Uh, help me with this uh, Tom and Pounce and every, you know, those, those them as well. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Uh, Crone, Miller, Smith, Barky, Jester. Barky, I mean, so hey, other guys, you could uh, check out Barky. I miss saying your name so much. I wish I would have remembered that. that, that the bad, just say Barky. It, may, it makes me feel good. So hopefully if anyone's listening, they could carry that with them and just say Barky. You know, picture a, a tree god that's more tree-like than humanoid-like. So not quite Groot. Uh, or just picture a dancing baby Groot. Uh, and say Barky. And say goodnight. Goodnight, God. So I'll talk to you soon.